morning, Bucks fans. How's everybody doing? It is Wednesday, which means it is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with Scott Smith. And this, of course, is where we answer all of your Buccaneer questions. So put all of those in the comment section underneath the Facebook Live video. That's where we'll get to those. Of course, while we give people a chance to submit those. And of course, we also love uh, hearing where you're watching from. That's always really fun. Um, as we give people a chance to do that, Figured we'd start with the uh, COVID news and how this is going to affect our special teams unit. So tell us at this point what we know and what some of the potential options might be for the game. Yeah, that was sobering news yesterday. Um, obviously, your first concern is for the health of all those guys. Although the first thing to understand is teams are not allowed to say whether guys go on that list because they have tested positive or because they have been in proximity with someone who has. So we don't at this moment know whether Bradley Pinion, Ryan Suckup, or Zach Trinner, what the reasons for all three of those are for going on the list. And it could, all three of them could be a proximity issue, or it could be one of them is positive and the other two were in proximity to him, similar to what happened with the Broncos quarterbacks, quarterbacks room a few weeks ago. Um, so we won't know for a little while, and I, I imagine all that information will eventually be clarified, uh, but we won't know for a little while exactly who's who on that and who might be available on Sunday. But what the Buccaneers will do and are in the process of doing is bringing in replacements for all three of them. You, you do have a kicker on the practice squad that, that they've been carrying for this exact reason named Greg Joseph, and they've been using one of their protection options on him every single week just because if this were to happen later in the week, there would be no chance of that kicker being ready on Sunday. So having one in the building is the only way you'd have a kicker available on game day. So Greg Joseph is there, but the Buccaneers will probably sign another kicker just in case something makes Greg Joseph unavailable late in the week. So uh, the Buccaneers have not, they don't really announce their visits and tryouts. So we're not going to name names here, but it's out there, of course. And they've already been, I mean, you know, as soon as they got this news, they obviously started looking for uh, potential fill-ins. And since it happened on Tuesday, there is a window for them to have replacements in place in time for Sunday's game. But I know there are always guys on the team that are trained to be a backup long snapper. So uh, what, what do you think the odds, and then, you know, with, with punting, kicking, long snapping, those are sort of unique positions compared to everything else on the team. So what are some <laughs> potential ways you try to fill that gap? If it's, is it, do you think all of them is going to be a direct replacement with someone new? Do you think you have guys on the team you try to use? Yeah, you always have at least one person who's not a long snapper, but is at least functional at it that practices it. But the reason for that is if something happens to your long snapper in a game, that guy, you've seen those guys warm up in practice, haven't you, Casey, at practice? They're better than you and me and everybody else on the team other than the real long snapper, but they're usually not very good uh, compared to an actual long snapper. So you would, I'm pretty sure you'd bring in a a guy who is a proven long snapper in this league rather than use your, your emergency replacement, as long as you have the time to get him in. And it, it appears as if we do. And also your kicker can usually punt in an emergency and your punter can usually kick in an emergency. As a matter of fact, when we were uh, uh, preparing for one of our pregame shows recently at the stadium, we saw uh, Bradley Pinion trying some field goals. So um, that's always an option in a game, but if you have time, you, you try to find actual replacements who play those positions. Right. That makes complete sense. Um, we also were talking about um, in terms of replacements and who's going to be available and not, we don't really know what the situation is with Rojo at this point. We know that he um, has had to, he's had a finger injury. And now we know that unfortunately it kind of sounds a lot like Chris Godwin's and the, the need for a pin 
to be put in there. So what do we know about the timing of this and what this could mean? And, and again, same thing, options of if he's not available, what that could look like and how that'll affect the offense. Yeah, and then Godwin, I believe, missed one game. And then he came back and he played with a, a brace on his hand and, and with the pins in there for like three games, I think, and, and played well. I uh, didn't didn't really hold him back. Uh, but of course, we know how tough Godwin is. Uh, this is the first time we've really had this kind of situation with Ronald Jones. I mean, all these guys are tough, obviously. But we'll see if he can play with something on his hand. Uh, and it may just an issue. I'm not sure. But uh, – the, obviously, your, your depth chart is still pretty strong at running back. We didn't even use Leonard Fournette last week. And after the game, I mean, he was inactive. And after the game, head coach Bruce Arians said that had nothing to do with Leonard Fournette. We still really like him. So you got Leonard Fournette. You got um, LaShawn McCoy, who showed that he's got fresh legs and can still do some things. And you have the rookie, Keyshawn Vaughn, who hasn't had much of an opportunity yet, but would probably be much more in the mix if Ronald Jones wasn't available. But let's be clear, it would be, it would be a significant absence for the Bucks because he's playing very very well right now actually all season he's played very well and and you know just from a personal standpoint I'd like to see him get as much playing time as possible because he's at 900 yards and I know he's he's admitted that the thousand yards is a goal for him so you want him to get that well and that actually is a perfect segue to uh, our first question we had which was about Mike Evans and his uh, quest for thousand yard season so um, maybe for people who don't know uh, explain the significance of what a thousand yard season would mean for Mike this year. And then what do you think the odds are that he could get there looking at how many games we have left? Yeah. Um, Mike Evans is the only, only player other than uh, Randy Moss to start his career with six straight 1000 yard receiving seasons, which is obviously an incredible accomplishment. And since Randy Moss didn't get it in his seventh year, uh, Mike had a chance to be the first player ever to do it seven years in a row. And he still does have that chance, but it's getting to be more and more of a long shot. Uh, I believe he had about 56 yards in the last game and going into these last four games, he needed to average close to a hundred yards a game. So now his average has to go up even a little more than that. So for it to even be a possibility, I think Mike's going to have one of those crazy games where he has 200 yards or something like that. And that just doesn't seem to be the way our offense operates this year. As, as a couple guys were saying this week, you just have to understand that the ball's getting spread around and, and some people are not having the numbers that they normally have, but as long as the offense works, everybody's happy with that. And let's keep in mind that Mike Evans has 11 touchdown catches. So it's been a very good year for him and hopefully he can still break his own record in that regard, which is just 12. So it's been a good year in, in a perfect world, Mike would get that record, but I'd be willing to bet he doesn't care that much compared to playing in the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, and at least he did get to tie Randy Moss. I mean, I know that's a guy that he really looked up to, you know, when he that's who he was watching as a kid and all of that. So it, that at least for him to just be alone with Randy Moss, I think he's he's probably plenty happy that's with that. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, Edward had asked, uh, do you know if Jamel Dean will be back? No, we don't because we don't. This is what we run into with this show every week. It's on the morning of the day we get our first injury report. So, um no, nah, it's a little too early to know that. Um, Daniel I will say he, was, he wasn't out going into the weekend last week. He was doubtful, which means they held out some hope that by Sunday his groin injury wouldn't be bad enough and he'd be able to play. So to me, that's a pretty good sign that he'll start this week with a chance to come back. Okay, that's good to know. Um, Daniel had asked, do you think Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield will get awards for their rookie season play in offense and defensive uh, rookies of the year? Uh, I, Antoine Winfield, 
I don't think he has a shot at defensive rookie of the year because Chase Young probably went into it as the favorite and has had a phenomenal season and guys that get sacks are going to be looked at first for that award. Um, and then, but I mean, they always do these uh, various publications and, and organizations do all rookie teams. And I think he's got an excellent chance to be a first team, all rookie team guy. Uh, Tristan worse. You know, he's probably pretty deserving. Come, you know, he, he probably should be in the discussion for offensive rookie of the year, but, and I'd have to look at it. I don't think you want me to pull out the NFL record and fact guide right now, but I'd be willing to bet that that is a rare occurrence for an offensive lineman to win that award. If any running back or any, oh, well, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, I mean, he's having an incredible year. Any running back or receiver putting up big numbers or quarterback, obviously, um, is going to is going to run away with that word. So you got Justin Herbert in uh, in in Los Angeles for the Chargers. So again, Tristan Wirfs will almost certainly be on that all rookie team, which if you think about it, is a pretty big accomplishment because there were those four uh, highly thought of blue chip offensive tackles available in the draft, and he was the fourth one selected. And uh, I'd be willing to bet he beat out all the other three to be the first guy in line for that all rookie team. That's so true. And I mean, that just means it speaks volumes to the value that we were able to get from yeah. him in, in that to, to be the fourth tackle selected and to still feel like he was, he's the one you'd want to pick, even if you had the first shot at all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, and on that line of rookies, Mitch had asked, which rookie has surprised you the most? Well, um, probably Tristan worse. And, and, you know, I have to, clarify saying it's not like I thought Tristan Wirf was going to be bad. I think I probably said on these shows early in the season that as good as Tristan Wirf is probably going to be in the NFL, rookie tackles can go through some struggles. I mean, you look at see what's happening with Andrew Thomas with the Giants, who's definitely had some struggles up there, and he was the fourth pick taken overall. That doesn't mean Andrew Thomas is a bad player and or that he's not going to be a, a longtime stud for the Giants. But it's tough transitioning to the NFL and playing offensive tackle because there are so many good edge rushers in this league. And they're not just all rushing around left tackle anymore. The right tackle has to face tons of really good pass rushers. And Bruce Arians himself said, we're not surprised at how well he has run blocked. We knew from his tape at Iowa that he was going to be a pretty dominant run blocker. But the fact that he's played so well in pass protection is a well but not this well I mean coach Arians thinks he's playing at a Pro Bowl level and it's hard to argue with so uh, it's probably him because only really him and and uh and Antoine Winfield have played a ton among the rookies so it's really got to be one of those two yeah that's true um Isai asked who's your MVP on offense and defense so far this season Well, since it's been such a uh, sort of a thing by committee among the pass catchers it's hard to pick just one out of that and, uh, you know, the running back has been good, but our running, back, our running game hasn't been awesome. Uh, it's it's kind of going to seem like an obvious answer, but Tom Brady, you know, 30 touchdown passes. Uh, if you think about it, Bruce Arians said during the offseason when we were making this dramatic move at quarterback, and even before that, that turnovers were the real problem that kept the Bucks seven and nine instead of in the playoff hunt. Uh, Tom Brady has a very good shot of breaking Jameis Winston's touchdown record from last year, which was 33. He's got 30 with three games to go. But while we had 30 interceptions last year, we have 11 this year. And I think that's probably more than the Bucks and Tom expected for him to throw this year, but it's still a heck of a lot better than last year. So when you think about it, that's the biggest change for this team. And 
and just his leadership and everything. I think it has to be Tom Brady. Defense, I just think Levante David has done it all. I mean, I, lo- I love our edge rushers. Devin White's had a great year. Carlton Davis has been very, very good. But if I have to pick one, I'm going with Levante. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Levante, which is perfect because then that also means we can shout him out that he is a finalist for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. He's in the top eight. Um, so that I thought was really exciting and something he is very, very deserving of on, off the field, all of those things. So it's been cool to get to watch us, get to honor Mike Evans for his Walter Payton Man of the Year and Levante for the you know Sportsmanship Award of just, we talk so much about their on-field accomplishments, but this locker room is just so full of really great guys that do it the right way, which makes it even more fun to root for them that, you know, you're, you're believing in who they are as people too. Yeah. I don't think we've had a finalist before. I mean, I think every team has a nominee every year, but I think this is our first finalist. So that's, that's great. Maybe you'll win. Yeah, that is pretty incredible. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks as always for joining us. Thanks for those great questions and we'll see you next week.